I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Coming out of his beat six and seven. Top the moment is Brendan Eight. Oh, wow. No, no, no. Supercoach 365 podcast. Ryan and Tommy back with you. Tommy Hudson back on deck this time. We're going through another four teams tonight as we record this on Tuesday night. Tommy, firstly, great to be back, mate. How have you been? Not too bad, mate. Uh, watched your video with Mr. NRL Don. It was very captivating viewing uh keen to get <laughs> stuck into the next four teams and um yeah it's good to be back of course uh what we speak of there is podcast with the nrl don where we covered off on a, a couple of teams um namely the panthers south sydney rabbitos the gold coast titans and the west tigers so uh, i've already been through those four with the nrl underscore don if you missed that one go back and check it out uh, and if you're not already following the NRL Don on the socials and, and whatnot, you can find him on Instagram, particularly at NRL Don. Uh, Tommy, firstly, mate, big news day in uh, in NRL or Supercoach uh, context. The first team was Tuesday of the year, albeit um, an exhibition match. This one, the All-Stars team has been named. So looking forward to watching some footy on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we scored the squads last week, I think it was, and we all kind of agreed that the Indigenous was a little bit stronger looking than the Maori. But I have to say, once they've named their actual teams, don't mind the Maori side, to be honest. I like their forward pack. The, uh, the Indigenous, Indigenous team, very uh, Cronulla Sharks heavy, isn't it, in the back one? Yeah, good look uh, or good chance to look at what that combination can spit out. Of course, Kennedy, uh, Nico Hines and Trindle you mentioned there, and yeah, a strong team, and I know both sides will give it their all, and it doesn't matter who's out there, I don't think, come Saturday night. Um, they're going to rip in for their respective cultures, and it's always a, a great game, a great way to kick off the uh, the season because it's, I mean, back in our, when I say back in our day, like we're old, but the Charity Shield used to be, the, I guess, our start to the year, but it's sort of good to get behind this game where you don't have any allegiance to either team, really. Obviously, speaking as a neutral who's not an Indigenous or a Maori person myself. No, I think it really does, you know, signify that the season has started this game. And I was actually watching Fox League the other night and they were going back through some of the uh, the All-Stars games from the past and back when it was NRL All-Stars against the Indigenous and some of the players that were in the team, Sam Burgess, Benji Marshall, Cameron Smith, all at the peak of their powers, uh, very strong teams. Probably not as strong these days, obviously, but it's still a really good uh, exhibition match and I'm really keen for it. Yeah, don't tell the players it's an exhibition match because they obviously play with uh, plenty of pride and passion on the night. We've seen that in recent years and no doubt we'll see it again uh, this weekend. Uh, someone who we thought may have figured in this clash, um, Kalen Ponga, he's not there. Um, not sure why is he not being allowed to play by the Knights, but he is, I guess, news coming through that he's set to be named the Knights captain. So it shows you his standing at Newcastle again continues to grow and I guess thoughts on initially on that because I guess in the past we might may have been a little bit critical of Kalen Ponga and his involvement, but now no Mitchell Pearce there. He's really going to have a hands-on role. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, 
I think the other day we mentioned about Fafida. You were saying that you think he could almost be given the captaincy to see how he would grow with the title. And I think it'll be similar with Kalen. Um, I think he has to go massive this year for the Knights to have any chance. So uh, possibly giving him that responsibility of captain, it could force his hand and it could be the making of him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I guess I never really looked at it like that. I obviously looked at it from Fafida and his involvement. Ponga's always pretty involved, but maybe just makes him mature a little bit more as a footy player. Uh, we'll come to see that throughout the year, no doubt. And I think the Knights are going to be under plenty of pressure. So uh, baptism of fire for Kalen Ponga. Uh, another exciting fullback we're talking about here, Reese Walsh. Uh, news that he might be on his way out of the Warriors, potentially back to the Broncos or even to Redcliffe. So... I don't know, it's funny because so long we've based this preseason and the chat's been about Newcastle and maybe Ponga going to Redcliffe, or sorry, the Dolphins. But I guess if it's not Ponga, is Reese Walsh the next best man on the, the hit list for Wayne Bennett? Yeah, he'd be a great signing, wouldn't he? He's only, I think he's only 19 still. Um, to have him as your you know marquee player at a, a starting, at a new club, that would be an awesome marketing tool to have Reese Walsh. And I think on the flip side, Walsh, he has a young family, He's, he's a dad. He was a dad at 18. He probably doesn't want to leave Queensland. Maybe he's keen to just, obviously, he's, he's based there now with the Warriors, but when they go home, I can understand why he'd want to stay in Queensland, and the Dolphins is probably a great fit for him. It's, a, it's going to be an interesting watch, though, isn't it? Because it forces either the Warriors' hand or maybe inadvertently the Knights' hand. How hard do the Knights go to keep Kalen Ponga? Because if Walsh is suddenly off to the Dolphins, then Ponga doesn't really need to go there. Does Ponga want to leave the Knights? I'm not sure if they're... Two and ten, like you know, we may predict them to be at Origin time. Maybe he, he might want to exit the club and, and go follow Wayne Bennett to Redcliffe. It's it's an interesting little subplot amongst all of that. Yeah, I think Walsh is obviously important to the Warriors, but Ponga's importance to the Knights is just ridiculous. I think they obviously have put so much money into him, and I think to lose him in the next you know one to two seasons would be really detrimental to their growth in the next you know five years because I just don't think they have many other great young players. He is you know, the heart, soul, that team. So they really need to keep him. Yeah, we'll talk about Walsh uh, a little bit more when we get to our team-by-team previews. Of course, today, we haven't mentioned it yet, but we are here to chat the Melbourne Storm, the Seagulls, uh, Walsh's Warriors, and, of course, the Cowboys as well. Before we move on from that All-Stars team list, though, just a note, um, happy to see Andrew Fafita back um, playing some competitive footy. Obviously, went through that injury at the back end of last year and uh, on a quite a serious no we don't get serious too often Tommy but um, would have been a sad way for uh, Andrew to end his career because um, not the way he deserves to go out anyway yeah it was a pretty innocuous looking injury I remember the game against Newcastle but then we found out in the hours after that he'd been rushed to hospital he was in a coma so it got pretty serious pretty quick but um yeah good to see him back and uh, on his day as you would know being a former Sharks fan he's <laughs> he's absolutely dynamic so we good to see him back to his fit best he has single-handedly the greatest highlight of any grand final moment that we'll ever see, Andrew Fafita. Um, all right, let's lighten the mood a little bit, Tommy, before we get into these team previews. And during the week we asked, or at the back end of last week, we asked, so often I see this term, you know, the worst-kept secret in rugby league, and, you know, it was a secret, like, I don't know, I speak of the Dolphins and, and the signing of Kenny Bromwich. I think we mentioned that three months before, or sorry, three weeks before it was uh, official. But that, that term, the worst-kept secrets in rugby league, got me thinking, what are some of the best-kept secrets in rugby league? And uh, threw it out to our listeners. We've got a couple here. Uh, Simon Grunstein says, Wayne Bennett handshake deal to coach the Roosters, but never did. Now, that would have been a story back in the mid-2000s if Bennett took control of the likes of Fittler and Wing, Minicello and all those other types that were down there losing grand finals. Maybe Wayne Bennett would have made it a three-peat with the Roosters in you know, 02, 03, 04. Yeah, probably a bit before my time of understanding the off-field shenanigans of rugby league, but it would have been incredible, wouldn't it, if they obviously had, I guess, Ricky Stewart during that era, but Wayne Bennett, super coach, would have been a big story. Still at the Roosters, another one here, Chris Laidley says, Cooper Cronk playing in the 2018 NRL Grand Final, or running out, and Orba actually playing seven after Robinson said he was going to play seven. Now, I see the look on your face here. You don't think this is a, a worst-kept secret? <laughs> Well, well, it's not a best, best kept, kept secret. secret. No, I don't think so because I think anyone with any knowledge and fair dinkum thought on the game knew that Kronk was going to play seven, surely. No one thought Mitch Olsen was actually going to be half back in the grand final. It's funny though because I actually went to that game that night and there was the Willie Owoni and it got to the hour before team list, or sorry, before kickoff and the team list were, fi- were finalised. And 
I still remember that that overwhelming sense of, oh, he actually is going to play. So, I don't know. I've watched the game for many years, and it, it was a it was an injury. They said it was like a car crash. So, to get him back on the field within a week, and then obviously to, to win the way they did, pretty uh, impressive by the Roosters. For mine, though, Jared Haynes signing with the Gold Coast Titans in 2016. I just remember being at work one day, and I I read the news, and you know, an hour later, Haynes was having a press conference at Seabus Super Stadium. I hadn't heard a whisper of it before that point. No, that that's a good one. I hadn't really thought of it, but um, you're right. And that was it's such a pity. Oh, we can't say a pity, Jared Hayne, because he dug his own grave in terms of NRL and whatever else he's done in his personal life. But that move to Gold Coast should have been a lot better than it was. And he played well for a little while, but it just never really took off. I know he had that moment where he kicked a field goal at Campbelltown, and he was like, "This is my house," and it just was all downhill from there, wasn't it? Really. But anyway. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, his own doing, like you say there. Um, I put a, a little section here for you to say your own, but you said it was hard to think of one. Have you, have you come up with one between now and then? Oh, it's hard to keep a secret these days in NRL, isn't it? You've got a NRL 360 on every night with hoops and buzz yeah. spewing their crap. <laughs> sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. I don't really have one. No, the walls talk, don't they? There's, uh, there's absolutely no secrets in this game. Uh, still on a lighter note before we move on. I've been loving this on Instagram as well, the Campbell Graham watch. Now, we've been pushing this uh, for about a week now. It's starting to gain a bit of traction with Denon Kemp and Rugby League Guru talking about Denon, uh, sorry about Campbell Graham potentially moving to the left side and what that would mean for Souths. Not saying those guys have been listening to us. In fact, I'll say the complete opposite right now. But it's good to sort of see that they're thinking the same way and that we're not too far out of the ballpark in saying that Campbell Graham would be an asset to Souths going down that left side. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a big question. I think it was a great pickup by you when we spoke about the CTWs the other day. And like last year, let's be honest, the South's left side was the hottest thing in the comp. So it's pretty important to see who's going to replace Gagai there. I hope it's Campbell Graham and I hope your love affair is right. Yeah. And at least it keeps us entertained between now and uh, Teamless Tuesday. Of course, 30 days away, uh, creeping ever closer. We're looking forward to that. Tommy, let's talk some footy. This is why we're here. Um, and let's start off with uh, one of the best teams, if not the best team, I think, other than, of course, the Premiers who went on to win the comp. But throughout the regular season, I think it's it's fair to say the Melbourne Storm were the best team in rounds 1 to 25. And... How do you think they'll go again this year? Obviously, the way they finished a disappointment, but they'll take plenty of confidence into 2022 knowing that they were went within a whisker, really, of, of making it another premiership last season. Yeah, well, it's funny, the Melbourne Storm, isn't it? You know, the last probably five, six years, we saw Cronk leave. We thought, will they recover? We saw Slater leave. We saw Smith leave. And each time, they just respond. And um, this year, they haven't really lost an out-and-out gun like that. But then last year, again, without Smith, they kind of did fail in that preliminary final. So I think their judgment day comes in September. But as in uh, rounds 1 to 25, I honestly don't see why they don't win the minor premiership again. Other teams in the mix, you know, Penrith and South, I can make a case as to why they could slide this year. But I don't really see a downside with the Storm. Yeah, it's hard. And... I guess that's one of the burning questions. We'll get to all of them in a sec. You mentioned Cameron Smith there, but that, I mean, you're right. That was the first time really the whole year where they showed a sign of weakness and up until, actually, I'll speak of, that's another one of the best kept secrets, Cameron Smith's retirement, or was that one of the worst kept secrets? Because, I mean, we he had us hanging on still in February about Cameron no, Smith, Willie Owoni. That's a good shout for best kept. He did very well with that. I I think, we yeah, we didn't know until, until the ball was kicked basically last season, so he did excellent with that. I remember the week of, uh, you know, this time last week, uh, last year rather, plus three weeks, and we're still thinking he might run out with the Titans. So um, I remember getting to that first team this Tuesday. Still, I had hope that he was going to be around for one more year. But anyway, um, you're right. They were incredible. They topped the NRL in points and tries last year. Not only were they good with the ball, they had the second best defense and a four and against at the end of 25 rounds, plus 499. I don't think we'll ever see that again in the NRL era. Uh, the most dominant team bar none. But this year's a whole new proposition, isn't it? Because they head in, they didn't win the comp, they went so close, but that doesn't cut, uh, you know, cut it in the NRL, particularly for Melbourne Storm. So they have to find another way to, to sort of, if not equal that winning record of 19 straight games, even better it. And it's going to be more difficult this year. Yeah, it's interesting because every year they get out of the block so quick they put so much emphasis on the on the minor premiership. And I know that for a fact because I read uh, Cameron Smith's book, Speak of the Devil, uh, in the summer. And he even said that Bellamy 
puts a focus on the minor premiership. So they go into the season and they're not trying to peak. Well, they probably are trying to peak in September, but they, they're trying to peak throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that was maybe their undoing last year. I feel like Penrith and South were probably peaking more at the right time of the year, whereas the Storm obviously were just up the whole time. So maybe does Bellamy look at that and think, let's try to peak later in the year perhaps? Yeah, and I know, I know he has rested players in the past, but... I... You, funny you mentioned Smith's book there. He says in his book that he hated resting. So it just shows you the culture that they set in at the Melbourne Storm. And I'm sure that that's filtered down to the likes of Cameron Munster and um, Felice Cafusi, you think of another Origin player, or in the past, Ryan Hoffman and all these other types that don't like to rest so that in, you know invariably they are first or second at the end of the, the regular season. Um, I'm looking here, though, at their draw for this year. And you mentioned the start to the year. Obviously, a tough start uh, in terms of their personnel not being on deck for round one. But beyond that, you look at rounds four to 11 from that super coach lens. They play just one of the big five, and that obviously being the Roosters, Panthers, Manly, or Souths, I'll say. Um, just one of those teams being the Panthers in rounds 10, round 10 rather, between rounds four and 11. So there's that sort of window to capitalize after that first month or, you know, they're getting players back from suspension or whatever. They've got a good eight weeks there to run into Origin. And I think you look at the draw back in Melbourne, I think they could go unbeaten almost. Yeah, and they're the sort of team that you could pretty much put your hat on that they'll actually do that. You know, they'll they'll look at those games and they'll just get them done. They won't drop a game here and there. They never do that. So I think you can be pretty much certain that, you know, come round 12, halfway through the year, they'll probably be on top or at least top two. And then from there on, they won't they won't stuff it up, and they'll be having a home final uh, or a chance at a home final in week one. So, yeah, like I said before, I think their judgment comes in September. I think everyone knows they're going to be there. They're going to probably be in the top four, but it just depends. Can they go that extra step, you know, without Cameron Smith this time? I just want to bring up their best seventeen here. Of course, this is via NRL.com. So you may not agree with all of these. And of course, if you're not watching this, you're listening to us, you can find this on YouTube. So whenever we're referring to these graphics or bring it up on your screen, find us on YouTube at Supercoach365. Same podcast, but you'll get a little bit extra. Tommy, this best 17, it has uh, George Jennings there, Nick Meaney in 14. I don't think that's how it'll look. I don't think Meaney's your traditional Nico Hines type role where he can play, you know, one to seven essentially in 13 if he has to. Meaney's an out-and-out winger. So I don't think that'll be the case. But you look at this team, 1-17, it is still very strong and some of these names will move on at the end of the year. So maybe a bit of motivation there to send them out on the high. Yeah, it's a it's a faultless roster, isn't it? Great team. Uh, big news, obviously, I think last week we got the confirmation that Asafa Solomon will actually play. So that's a big help. I think that would have been a bit of a loss if, and they would have left them a little bit skinny maybe up front. But now that's been covered. Uh, Coates, he's, he's an interesting one. I think we'll get into him in a sec. Uh Munster and Hughes, I'm expecting big things from Munster, as I've said, and I think Hughes is he's a bit of an unsung gun. Yeah, let's talk their super coach assets. That's why everyone's here to listen to us. Uh, Ryan Pappenhausen, 47% owned. You just have to have him almost, and I'm surprised that number's not above 50. Because on his day, he's as good as Turbo, if not better. And again, you might think I'm the biggest Pappenhausen. No, I say that because... I don't know. We've seen it. He kicks goals as well. That's that's my reason. Maybe not as maybe not better than Turbo. Anyway, um, Harry Grant, twenty five percent. So these are the big two from the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, I think we spoke about Harry Grant in the hooker section a few weeks ago. Uh, last year, he didn't even get a full crack at the nine jersey, and he still had a massive average. He gets a full crack this season, apart from the first round, I believe. And then perhaps, as you say, yeah, I don't know how you don't have to have him in the side. I've got him in. Uh, he was one of the first picks for me. Just the 13 games last year for Ryan Pappenhausen. And I know I've said it a couple of times and you take the piss out of me, but full season, uninjured, playing his best footy, he is the Dally M winner, hands down, because he just brings something that no one else can. And that is including Turbo. He, he's, he's, he's that good. Uh, pod plays. You mentioned Jerome Hughes a little bit there in Munster. Are you surprised that Hughes is owned by just 10%, given the question marks around Cleary to start the year and if, if he's going to be there? I expect that percentage to jump up dramatically if Cleary is ruled out early stages uh, in the first few rounds. I think Hughes is the definite next best contender for halfback, in my opinion. Um, and then on Munster also, you said perhaps for Dally M. If I had to pick one now, maybe a smoky would be Munster for me. Either way, whoever wins it, if it is someone from the Melbourne Storm, it's going to be a massive achievement and it's probably even better. Um 
coming from that club as opposed to someone you think like a Roger Tuivasa Sheck in years gone by at the Warriors where it was Roger or Bust and at the Storm they've probably got you know four names that could win the Dally M and you wouldn't be surprised yeah uh, Meany and Coates the wingers we th- we're thinking that that's the way they'll run out or is that hard you know hard luck to George Jennings so I think obviously he had his questions defensively to start last year but he came on he did and uh, he did drop that that ball in the prelim final, which was pretty annoying for Storm fans. But um, Xavier Coates is an interesting one. Um, I know last year a lot of people were keen on him at various times in draft competitions because he had a few good scores. But when he did score tries, his, uh, his base stats were awful. He'd be like he scored 20 points. So I'm wondering if he is maybe a little bit of a trap mm. or maybe he could develop a bit more of a work rate at the Storm. Yeah, definitely a wait and see that one. Um... I guess something we've glossed over it and we've almost taken it for granted is the fact that they are going to be back in Melbourne this year. So you think 12 games or at least 11, I think they're, they're one of their home games is Magic Ground at at, um, at Suncorp. But 11 games at home, a stat here, I pulled this out today. In the post-Cooper-Cronk era, so since Cronk's moved on, they've won 74% of their home games at Amy Park. So round up to 8 out of 10. If they're, if they're playing 10 or 11 at home, they're, they're getting nine or ten wins this year at home yeah well pretty much for as long as we've watched footy it's been the fortress down there hasn't it they don't drop many games in melbourne they never have and the last two years they've done exceptionally well not really having a home a home venue or they had the sunshine coast and they turned that into a fortress but i think they'll be very happy to get back to amy park and it's just another reason a dollar 60 to make the top four the storm um that's my best bet early days geez yeah, we'll get on to uh, a little bit of that later on with uh, topsport.com.au, of course. Uh, let's wrap this up down the Melbourne Storm. I've got them coming, well, you've you've already just sort of declared them there as uh, the minor premiers all but, but I've got them running uh, third. Uh, I think defensively maybe they showed at times that they're not quite up to Penrith's level and I think the Roosters back at the SCG are a completely different beast again. So third for mine, but you've got them right at the top. I've gone with first. I do think, as I've said a few times, that they're going to have to go that extra step next year, obviously, uh, this year, sorry, and have to win a big game without Cameron Smith. But I just think they're the most reliable team in the comp, so I'm happy to put them at first. The only reason why I maybe don't have them top two is I fear Nico Hines, what a luxury it was to have him in, in hindsight. Um, you know, you lose Pappenhausen, you bring in Hines. You lose Hughes, you bring in Hines. You know, at a pinch, you lose Munster, you bring in Hines. I don't think they had that depth this year. No, you're right, and it was a massive luxury, and not many teams have that. And you were saying before you don't think Meany will be using that role. You, you you can't see it happening. I think he can play one to five, but he's not going to come on and, and ball play at a, you know, in the halves. You look at Nico Hines now; he goes to the Sharks as their predominant playmaker. Uh, Nick, uh, sorry, Nick Meany isn't isn't that sort of player for mine anyway. Um, all right, so Melbourne Storm, we're pretty sold, and you, you've almost said Pappenhausen a must-have, and. I mean, I've got him, you've got him, and 47% of others do as well, but should that be a bit higher? Oh, I'd imagine it will be. I think Paps and Teddy is the way to go to start the year if you don't have Turbo, and then I'm pretty keen to work towards Munster. Obviously, Munster missing the first game is quite annoying. You don't want to be behind before the season starts, but um, I'm going to be trying to work him into my team for that that good run that you mentioned between rounds 4 and 12. Definitely will be the plan to work in some of these big guns. Let's move it on to the biggest gun, and that's Tom Travojevic of the Manly Seagulls, their best 17 here and their best player wears number one. What are we doing with Manly this year? Because it's it's almost the elephant in the room, isn't it? Because if Tom's not there, Manly aren't there. No, that's it's exactly right. And like That was just ridiculous last year, wasn't it? I remember after round four or round five or watching a game, I was watching it with you, they were playing the Warriors and it was one of the worst games you've ever seen. And Manly jagged, a, I think it was 13 to 12 point victory. And from then on, they just never looked back. They turned into this absolute gun side. Obviously, Turbo came back and and was the catalyst for that. But I don't know. Can Lightning strike twice? Can Turbo play as well in 2022 as he did last season? As a fan, I'd love to see it. As a, as a New South Wales fan, I'd, I'd love to see it. But he's owned by just 10%. Now, that sort of tells me is obviously people are balking at the price, but even if if people had the faith and the confidence that he could do it again, that number would be higher for mine. And I think you'd be doing everything you could to get him in. And even if it was at the detriment of somewhere else, or you could only run one gun fullback, 
there's just a hesitancy because we've seen his injuries in his past. Yeah, I don't know if the 10% is due to that. I really just think he's priced out of the game because you can almost get Paps and Teddy for almost the same price, Turbo. So not almost, but you know what I'm trying to say. So I just think he's way too expensive. I have faith that he can go big again, not as big, because I think the numbers that we saw last year from team scoring points, player scoring points, I just don't think we'll see that again. I, I, I heard the, uh, the NRL Don saying he sort of thinks it'll be a bit of a closer comp this year, and I kind of agree with him in that regard. So I don't think we'll see the ridiculous scores, mm-hmm. but I still think players like Turbo will be going pretty big every week. I wonder what that percentage will be. It just got his fixtures up here for the first three weeks. So obviously the Panthers away, um, the Roosters away. How many people will be pulling that trade button to get in Tommy before that, that game against the Dogs? Depending, it obviously depends on how well he scored the first two weeks. And if he's not going to bleed a hell of a lot of cash, maybe that's the go. Bring him in just before that easier. Well, what we think will be an easier fixture anyway. Yeah, I think you'll see that 10% go up then because that's a hard first two games, isn't it, really? Um, even him at the peak of his powers, he's not always going to score against the best teams in the comp. So yeah. I think, yeah, you probably might maybe keep your powder dry and just wait. And obviously how he goes, we'll have a big bearing on this next man, Ruben Garrick. Of course, um, Garrick, you know, handcuffed almost to Travojevic. If Tommy's going well, then Garrick's going very well uh, by his standards anyway. Uh, some numbers around Travojevic. 28 tries, 28 tries this last year, involved in 40% of the Seagulls' tries. To put that into perspective, Cleary and Luai combined were just 43% at Penrith. So one man at Manly is pretty much producing what two are at the eventual premiers. Uh, and the other grand finalists, Walker and Reynolds, combined for just 41%. So t- Turbo is effectively churning out the output of four of the premier halves of the competition by himself. And that's before we even get to... Uh, his other mate, Daly Cherry Evans, who himself isn't a bad number seven. No, he's not. And I, that's obviously amazing stats for Turbo. But do you think Des Hasler sits there and thinks that that's a good sign? I, I think he doesn't want to have all his eggs in the one basket. You know what I mean? Well, that's the, that's the burning question we've got here. How can they not rely on Tom so much? And it's inevitable, really. I mean, I don't have the, the numbers to tell you, but you think of those teams in... Newcastle Knights in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, and their reliance upon Andrew Johns. It's funny, you take out Joey and you knew straight away the Knights would lose. And I, I haven't seen that with any team. Even even you mentioned Cameron Smith, Melbourne Storm. You could take Smith out and they still had the other two in, well, other three at times, and Slater, Cronk, and Inglis. And you take out Tom. I've never seen that sort of reliance on one player in my time anyway, since Joey. Yeah, Thurston and the Cowboys was a little bit similar. But mm-hmm. I'd say this is, this is definitely going to another level. And I don't really see it changing this year. I think if he goes down, God forbid he does, but if, if he did, I just can't see him doing much. Like I know DC is a great player, but he's sort of shown before that he can't do it all himself. Um, even if Turbo doesn't go down, I still think they need a few players to you know continue to stand up because they all peaked last year and they massive effort to you know make make it deep into the finals. But I don't know if they can do it again this year. I'm really not sure. Cherry Evans stats on your screens there with and without Travojevic last year. You say he can't do it all by himself. Yeah, I think there's going to be some nervous types if Tommy stays down after a hit um, this year anyway. Just on that, we mentioned the impact of the storm going home. Something about these suburban grounds or these smaller boutique stadiums, I think Manly will benefit uh, as a lot from that as well. I looked at Tommy's stats at, at Brookie and I know that... Um, well, they called Brett Stewart the Prince of Brookie. He was the king. I think Tommy's the prince. Uh, Tommy Travojevic, 22 tries in 38 games at Brookie. I tell you now, go and look who they play at Brookvale Oval this year. I think they might play the Roosters and maybe the Panthers. But other than that, I think he can get 15 tries at home alone this year. I, I can see him getting doubles in almost every home game he plays this year. So put me down for Tommy at least 15 tries at Brookie Oval this year. Full of big statements tonight. I like it. I like the enthusiasm. No, but I agree. Uh, it is a nice draw. They're they're a good team at home generally, and uh, you know, if Turbo can find the same form he did last year. He, he was scoring tries when he wanted to, basically. So fifteen could be could be easily done. Um, looking at a few pods now for Manly, Josh Schuster was a name that I remember. We saw him in the trials last year against the West Tigers. We thought he played well. He went on to bigger, better things last year. How do we think he's going to go again this season? I love him as a 5 eighth. I think particularly in draft, If you and I was saying to the NRL Don um, today actually on, on another one of his podcasts, 
I think I wouldn't be surprised his average draft rank as it is today, and I know we're still a month out from uh, from kickoff, sorry, from the first teams even, it's about 45. But I think you compare that with, you know, weigh everything up and reliability, consistency, and, and knowing what you're getting from your 5 eighth, which typically is a shallow position. You're getting Schuster at 60 points per game at six. I think it's a great play. Um, not so much as a, as a second row forward. I think there's better options, but... Again, you lo- you marry up his price against a Luke Keary even, just 5000 more expensive than Luke Keary, who himself has so many question marks about him coming back to the Roosters this year. So I, c- I can almost make a case for even starting with Schuster in Classic. That's that's how much I think he can play a role. Yeah, you make a good point. I'm just looking at his last five scores last year, and his highest he went was 52. So I, I don't know if there was a reason for that, really. Um his biggest scores seem to be at the start of the year. Hopefully that was just a little blip at the end, but uh, obviously he's another player. They're all going to be determined by how Turbo and DCA perform, I think. Um, another one's Jason Saab. Obviously he was another beneficiary of Turbo's masterclass last year, but when he wasn't scoring points, he was getting some pretty ordinary scores, wasn't he? Yeah, and I think we saw that in that round 17 game against uh, the Raiders. Everyone brought him in thinking that, yeah, this was his week and he's going to go big. He got 12. 12, that's right. I remember he was, everyone was talking him up. It was. I remember that week. I remember it clearly. It was all about, um, it was either Tupo at the Roosters. I think the Roosters played that week as well. It was either the Roosters or, oh, sorry, Tupo or Saab. Which one are you going to grab? A lot of people went Saab. Um, luckily, I, I think I stayed away from, from both of them. Um, I guess the one thing they have to improve on is if they are going to go on it and, I guess make a grand final win a grand final is they do have to be better against those better teams they did have a soft run last year played just six games against those big five teams I've already mentioned um, but I think they can do that and I think you've mentioned Schuster there and Ola Kawatu as well another year old another year wiser they're not going to head into those games against Souths and, and the Roosters Melbourne Panthers even with any fear this year I don't think they will no, they'll be more battle-hardened, like you said. That, that's a good good point. They they hadn't really had to face those those uh, opponents before this year, uh, last year, and they've like, done it, so they'll be better for the run. I have said a few times, I just I feel like they just peaked last year. Everything went well for them once they got Turbo back. It was all just like kind of a fairy tale. I don't know. I don't see it really happening like that again. I think some of their outside backs could be caught out a little bit more, some of their lesser names. So... Look, I don't know. I've got them down for sixth this year, kind of hedging my bets. I think if Turbo goes down, they'd almost miss the finals. But, yeah, yeah I've got them, got them about middle of the top eight. I think they come fourth. I've got them finishing top four only just and only because of the Tom factor. And if he's not there, then it's, yeah, probably closer to six. And if, it, you know, if, if God forbid that Cherry Evans or Garrett goes down, I don't know who's scoring points for them. If it's not Tom setting it up and Garrick scoring it, then then where does it come from? I, yeah, that forty percent of involvements in tries it worries me a, a hell of a lot. Yeah, it's it's an exciting factor, but it's also a dangerous one for Manly fans and and their players. So yeah, they're going to have to really step up with uh with Tur- with or without Turbo, they're going to have to step up. So yeah, we both got around that middle of the top eight. I think they'll handle the lesser sides pretty well again. But yeah, just it'll depend how they go against the big teams. Okay, uh, let's wrap that one up there with the Seagulls. We're going to head to a, a quick break, a very, very quick break via topsport.com.au. On the other side, we're chatting the Warriors and the Cowboys. Having a bet on the racing this week? Top this. With Top Sport's best of the best multis, top odds are guaranteed. Place a best of the best multi during Saturday Metro meetings for the top flug or dividend from the best three national totes. Plus, there's best of the best to win up to five grand too. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. Welcome back. Tommy, let's rip in straight to this. We've just spoken of the Storm and the Seagulls, of course. Let's chat the teams that are going to be fighting it out for those lower parts in the top eight, we think, anyway. The Warriors. To their credit, they've probably punched above their weight in the past two years, and we probably thought they would have turned that up back in 2020, let alone pushing through to be almost finals contenders last year. But this is going to be another beast this year when they go home. How do they fare when they go home? Everyone, I think everyone thinks they're just going to suddenly be even better than they've ever been when they go home after two years. But I think it could almost go the other way. Yeah, I'm not sure it'll work like that either. Um, 
first of all, I'd like to say it has been a great effort from them to uh, keep up the good work despite not being over two years. Quite amazing. But I think almost being together on the Sunshine Coast and the Central Coast, wherever they've been, they've and maybe it's brought them closer together and they've actually played better as a result of that. So it will be interesting to see when they do go back. I don't think there's any real certainty about if they will get back there this year or not. I kind of hope they do because they deserve it. But, um, yeah, that's the watch this space. Speaking of homecomings, what about this one? Probably, probably no bigger, uh, at least in the Warriors' history anyway. Uh, Sean Johnson returning to his boyhood club and look at the smile on his face there. You can see how much it means to him to put that jersey on again. Just 10 games last year. It was an injury-interrupted season. Uh, that average well down uh, beyond his career average. We know him to be a better player than that. He's got a great start here. The Dragons, the Titans, the Tigers. If the Warriors do want to be playing finals 40, they nearly have to win all three of those. Yeah, they do. And uh, Sean Johnson's one of my favourite players. I really love watching him play and I think he's a bit underrated these days. I still think he has has what it takes to be a really exciting player in this game. I think last year he showed some really good form at times. He just injuries. His body let him down, and that's obviously a risk factor going into this season just because he's fit now. He could easily you know, do a hamstring again. I really like the start that he has, and I've got him in my team to begin with. I think those first three games, some really good scoring opportunities for him. Yep, and you mentioned, I think, when he was at Cronulla in 2020 and he, he led them... They played finals that year, I'm pretty sure they did, and it was all on the back of Sean Johnson, and that was, for me, it wasn't the highlight real Sean Johnson, that was the real Sean Johnson, if that makes sense, like, he was a playmaker, general number seven, playing that traditional role, but yeah, it's going to be interesting, and I mentioned them going home, because they have signed, and they have bolstered this squad, we mentioned Walsh at the top, but how many players have they signed while they've been in Australia? Matt Lodge springs to mind, Josh Curran, Ewan Aitken, two names that are going to be popular with super coaches to start the year. These back rowers, have they even set foot on New Zealand soil? I don't think they have. That's what I was about to say. Many of their signings have never even played in New Zealand or been in New Zealand. So it's quite an interesting uh, circumstance they're in. I really love their pack this year, the Warriors. Um, Fanua, Blake and Lodge, who we can get to now if we want as potential pods, I think. I think they're both really great workhorses. They both play big minutes. Lodge... I think he misses the first one or two games due to suspension, and that's a big thing with him. He often gets suspended. <laughs> yeah, uh, the best 17 on your screens now, but not necessarily the side that will run out for round one because you mentioned suspension there. Walsh, he won't be there either. Uh, who else we got there? Obviously, Tohu Harris won't be there. He's out until about round 10. So down on troops early, the Warriors, but we know that they can fight. And I guess those names you mentioned there, Curran and Aiken, they, uh, you know, they typify that. They scrap over uh, an old ball if you threw it at him, um, those two because I don't think they know any other way and Curran particularly, I know he's going to be a popular super coach option in the 2RF slot at that price Aiken probably in the centres if, you, if you're going that way, but Curran he's got some upside to him and around that McInnes and Madison price given that draw, I, I wouldn't vouch against going with Curran early no, he was a great story last year, wasn't he? Like, not really many people knew of him at the start of the season. He went on to be one of the better super coach finds. Uh, his scoring was consistent all year and even found the line a few times later in the season. So I think he's a he's a pretty safe option, really, in that price range. You and Aiken, I think we're pretty sure he's going to be starting second rower. And looking at his scores that he produced last year, 128, 89, 74, 69 and then a 44 all playing in the second row so that's pretty good numbers if you could bank on that every week you'd be pretty happy yeah and that's the thing though is and i mean he's going to run out in the back row but does he play 80 minutes there I, I that's why i'm a little bit hesitant to just chuck him in and expect him to churn out 80 minutes in the back row like he did to finish last year because you look at someone like a satili tupanua at the Roosters and how affected he was by getting shifted out. I know that was through injury at the Roosters and he had to play centers and wing at times. But suddenly what looks at a golden goose, it turns out to be, you know, anything but because he's back in the centers and you're paying premium price, I think, $480,000 for a center wing to start. You don't really do it unless you are going to the very top end of Garrick or Brian To'o. No, you're right. There is probably some risks there and I think... Nathan Brown, the Warriors coach, has shown a few times to me he picks some weird, makes some weird decisions around team selection. So I wouldn't bank on Aiken, you know, always being there. But I think if he was, um, 
he can make a pretty good fist of it. What do you think of Reese Walsh as a potential fullback pod? I loved it until I realised he was suspended, and I think I waxed lyrical about Reese Walsh, and I said, "Yeah, I'm going." I think I even said, to you, "I'm going with Walsh here." And I was, you know, thought about it. I thought I was onto something smart, and uh, turned out I, I didn't uh, do enough research to know. I, I think he's out one week, maybe two, at least one, definitely. Um, and with that, I don't think you can miss out on Teddy against the Knights or Paps against the Tigers. I think they're two good fixtures that you can't be missing out on holding a Walsh and hoping that the next week he turns up. Uh, some other names here aside Walsh that are going to um, spark some interest at least, or at least one of these names, with the suspension of Lodge Early and, and Tohu Harris out is Aaron Penne. You've got some raps on him. I'm not I'm not entirely sold. It was just a bit of a smoky that I found so, kind of just in the off-season. I thought he played pretty well at Melbourne last year, and the Warriors, Warriors have also seen that too. So just with a few injuries and suspensions early doors in the pack, the Warriors, I think he might get a little bit of a run. And they got a nice start, like I said. So I've just thrown him a bone in my team, but uh, no promises. Questions, the burning questions. Will Walsh hang around? We sort of touched on that at the start, and that's definitely going to be something that won't go away, uh, those whispers. And hopefully for the Warriors' sake and for, and for Walsh's sake, probably less so, but hopefully they sort that out sooner rather than later. They either need to bury it because the longer that drags on, the longer it's going to create noise with uh, Newcastle as well. We already mentioned Ponga. And what happens when they go home? And I'd love the fairy tale. I'd love, you know, 25,000 at Mount Smart every week. But I just don't think... I mean, I'm not not saying the crowd's not going to be there, but how long can you play on emotion for the Warriors? Yeah, I don't think they should read too much into that, like you're saying. I don't think they might get one win out of that fairy tale aspect of it, but I don't think it's really going to last very long. And from what I've read, their families are all pretty you know, safe and secure up at Redcliffe at the moment. So I don't think they're going to be moving anytime soon. Um, anyway, we'll wait and see what happens with that. Uh, I've got them in for 10th this year. I can see them possibly sneaking into the bottom of the eight if if they played their best every week, but they're so inconsistent, the Warriors, and we've known that for many years now, and they'll play one great game and then play three shockers. So I can't trust them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they could sneak in. I think the thing that hurts them all that, I've got them running 11th. I think the thing that stops them from sneaking into the eight, I do agree with you. That top eight price, $4, I think they're probably better than a 25% chance to make the top eight because there are, they are going to knock off a couple of those teams around them, the Sharks, the Raiders, the Titans maybe even. That's why those first three games I think are so important to the Warriors if they do want to play finals footy because they are against three teams that they're going to be, you know, they're four-point games essentially. Um but yeah, I, I guess going back to it, I, I don't think they will make the eight because I think there's just going to be so many interruptions and, and disruptions and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, they're always close, but they're never close enough to Warriors. How many games did they lose by six points or, or less last year? They're just always in the contest without ever prevailing, really. Yeah, it's like I was saying before, they're just inconsistent. You can't really trust them. You know, the games you think that they will win, they'll they'll find a way to lose. Um, So... Yeah, I'd like to see them at the A because, like I said a few times, Johnson and Walsh, I think they'll be great to watch. I like Curran, but I don't know. There's just something exciting me actually tipping them in the eight, isn't there? Could you imagine they, they finish eighth, they somehow knock off fifth, and then they get that, is it the home final week two? Or is that the old format I'm thinking Not of? anymore, not anymore. Uh, I was going to say, imagine a packed Eden Park. Yeah. And a, anyway. Dare to dream, mate. Anyway, read up on the on your finals format. Again, uh, again, another thing that, that hurts him is um, Tohu Harris, not there for 10 weeks. He's the best, most consistent player in a team that lacks consistency. They're going to really miss Tohu Harris. But the Warriors, yeah, 11th for mine and 10th for yours. All right, let's wrap this up with uh, a team that we don't think is going to be playing finals 40, which is a shame because this team was a, a finals ever present in, in recent years. But the Cowboys, that is, that's who we're speaking of here. Look at this team. It doesn't scream finals footy for mine. No, not for mine either. Um, they've got, how I'd describe it really, is two superstars or two people who are capable of being superstars, Valentine Holmes and Jason Taumalolo. And then the rest of them are just kind of average first graders, I have to be honest. And the problem is that both their superstars are, are not performing like superstars. You know, Val hasn't been the same since he came back from the NFL. And Taumalolo's output was well down last year. So... Yeah, just a real lack of quality across the board at the Cowboys, I think. What about the man on your screen there, Tommy? Chad Townsend. It's an it's an interesting signing, and I've got here in the notes that Chad Townsend has just one win of his past 12 NRL matches in time spent at the Sharks and Warriors, and he went 0-5 and 
in his move to the Warriors last year. So they signed him to to get them into finals footy, and he did the complete opposite. He couldn't ice them a game. Yeah, it was a, that was a bizarre signing because they had Sean O'Sullivan, Chanel harris DeVita. I don't know why they needed Townsend as well. But, um, yeah, interesting signing from the Cows. They've paid big overs for him too. Um, he can do a job on his day. Like, I'm very critical of him, but if he could just, you know, kick to corners, organise the team, <laughs> they might be all right. But I don't know. I just don't see enough in their spine really like he, he's a solid first grader Townsend but is there enough really around him to get you excited I, I don't think so and again I don't want this to be a, you know, a festival of just potting Chad but they it seemed a panic buy for mine because they needed a seven to, to do something I mean they're just meandering around with no direction and then obviously I think they signed Dearden before they signed uh, Townsend so poor Tommy Dearden, he's, he goes there thinking he's going to play 25 first-grade games, and then they bring in a premiership winner on top of him, albeit not at his best, Chad Townsend. So he's not out of the race to play halfback, Dearden. But going off the form to finish the, the last year, I actually have Dearden in front of Townsend. It won't be the way they run out, but Dearden was actually half-decent, I thought, in his finals few games at the Cowboys last year. Yeah, he had that awful stat for a while, did, and I can't remember how many games he lost in a row, but he, he finally got that win. He, he actually wasn't too bad. He played better come the end of the year. Townsend, like you said, they will get the nod just from his experience within the game. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he had a few off games that we don't see our Tommy didn't back in, in the league. Yep. All right, also in the notes here, just why they would let Clifford go, I know that wasn't working out particularly well while he was there, but you just think you invest in someone like that and... Clifford, a junior Maroon in his days, obviously has some potential. And Anyway, they've gone with Chad and, and Tommy Dearden as well. The Cowboys, though, the third most missed tackles last year, the second most ineffective tackles. They conceded the most offloads, the most line breaks, and most tries. They conceded 748 points per game at about 32 points per game. There's no wonder why this team is not playing finals footy. No, they they were really bad last year. Like they were just lucky that the dogs are in the same comp as them because any other year that you know we'd be laughing at the Cowboys because yeah they were really poor. Um, I I think they have enough. The, probably the only positive I see in this team, and I'm being pretty critical of them at the moment, but I like their kind of young forward pack. I think there's a few names there in the next few years we'll see some good good things from Helam Lukey, Nanai, Tom Gilbert's not too bad, Ruben Cotter. Uh, Griffin Neems, another one who's not in this 17, but he could get a run. So there's maybe some green shoots for the future, but as far as this season goes, it's it's all down to, you know, Holmes or Tamalolo stepping up, and I don't really know if we're even going to see that, are we? What about Val in the centres? I know he's been pictured wearing the jersey three, and Hammer will go to one. Just speaking of their super coach assets now, let's bring it back to, to the game. I tried to think of their best players. You've obviously nailed the, the two there, Holmes and Tamalolo, but I had to put question marks next to both of them because we rewind this three years ago. They're both massive super coach assets. Fast forward to today, I can't even confirm that they are, and that's a sad indictment on where the Cowboys are at. Why is Holmes not fullback? Because just like I know he's been, it's a long time since he's at his best. I'm just, I'm right now on my computer, I'm on Valentine's Holmes 2018 Supercoach profile. And he finished the year with his lowest score was about 70 in the last 10 games. Like he was on an absolute Tom Tavorovich tear that season. Yeah. But he went to NFL and he just has not been the same since. But surely Todd Payton just throws him in at fullback and says, refind your best, mate. You think that's he's you know I agree with you 100 percent and we all saw that Sharks year in 2018 and how he brought them into the finals he got them within one game of a grand final um, beaten only by a Melbourne Storm in Melbourne which is all right you get to the the prelim final you cop the Storm you're probably going to be happy with that year but that was all down to Val they've obviously put in the faith in um, the Hammer and he's quick but. I looked at these scores last year. I know Supercoach scores aren't everything, but he had two games, I think, last year to finish off where he scored a try in both of them at fullback, and he just cracked 50 points in both of those games. So it just shows you he's not your work rate fullback. He doesn't have his hands on the ball. It's that highlight moment. He either busts a, the line, scores a try, but he's not your, he's not your out-and-out Tommy Turbo, your Tedesco-type fullback. No, he's not your modern-day fullback that that we see at other clubs. I think Holmes can be. So maybe, you know, 
if Holmes is killing it in the centers or on the wing, maybe we'll see him move back to fullback at some stage. Who knows? But uh, Tao Malolo, the other misfiring star, do we see potentially a return to form this year? We see more minutes, maybe? We all know what he's capable of. Your question there, will we see it? I don't know. And it's they're trying to preserve him, but I think you almost got to just let him be Tao Malolo or else why would you pay a million dollars a year for someone who you could really be picking up 300000 and get them to churn out 40 minutes? Yeah, I, I get what Peyton has said, that he wants to preserve him. And I feel like we're going to see a similar thing with Payne Haas. You know, if he keeps delivering the sort of numbers that he does, is he going to get to 28 and be burnt out? I don't know. But, yeah, for the, for the Cowboys to get their money's worth this year, you'd have to think the Tama gets more minutes. And from a super coach lens, hopefully he does. I'm not going to risk him like I did last year, but um, I hope he can get back to some form anyway because I'd like to see the Cows at least show some face this year. I think I said to you this time last year when there was the whispers going around about Tamalolo and how many minutes would he play. And I think our exact words were, how arrogant of a coach who's never coached in the NRL to be worrying about the form of a bloke in five years' time before he's even ran out through round one. So, anyway, I've got him coming 15th. What about you? Yeah, 15th for me as well. They could easily come last. Um, I'm just going to stick the boon to another team on another podcast who I think will come last. But, yeah. Just don't see a lot going with them this year. I see in the notes here, need to turn their home ground into a fortress. And I agree with that. They've spent all the money on that home ground. It's a really nice stadium, but it was a pretty easy place to go in 2021. Teams went up there for a weekend holiday and they came back with two points. Um, yeah, I mean, there's probably not too much to go on about the Cowboys. Just one thing I will say, there has been a bit of chat about Ruben Cotter and, and the hype around Ruben Cotter. How will he go if he plays 13 and if they do shift Tamalolo? But... For mine, I think Tamalolo, he's a bit like Paul Gallen. He's a little bit stubborn. He needs to wear that 13 jersey. I know Gal always wanted to wear the 13. It doesn't really matter. You play the same role. But I don't see Cotter breaking into this first 13 and playing 55, 60 minutes like a lot of super coaches are hoping. It's interesting. I keep seeing his name absolutely everywhere in uh, in regards to super coach. And he had some good performances last year. But like you said, like where does he break into this team? I don't know. The, the Cowboys isn't that strong of a roster. So you think you could get in somewhere, but I wouldn't think it's starting 13 either. No. And even, you know, you're carrying Jake Granville on the bench, which reduces his limited output. I mean, his output, even if he's coming on to replace Robbo, is limited because he's not coming on to play hooker. So well, probably not, but we will see him in the hooking role this weekend, funnily enough. So we may, might get a little insight into how he actually does go at hooker. I think Reese Robson doesn't have too much to worry about there. All right, Tommy, let's um we're gonna to throw to another quick break. On the other side of the break, we're chatting listeners' questions. We've got a couple to get through. Having a bet on sport this week? Top this. Whether you're into cricket and curling or golf and greyhounds, Top Sport will let you on for plenty. And with literally hundreds of markets from your own backyard to the international stage, Top Sport has you well covered. So if you want to get the top odds every time, bet with Top Sport. Top that. Download the app today. Top sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. Welcome back. Supercoach 365 podcast brought to you by topsport.com.au. And Tommy, how about this for an offer? You weren't here when we uh, introduced it, but it's been up in in the works for some time now. Uh, Thanks to the good folk at topsport.com.au. They've put together a Supercoach 365 Futures special. Now, I can say with authority that this has been absolutely smashed in the betting. You see it on your screens now. What a special it is. It was even more special. It's been $7 into $5. So the punters have come in droves. Storm top four, Roosters top six, Sharks top eight, Knights to miss the eight, $5. Now, if you've got a spare five or ten on you and you want to make it 25 or or 50 you could do so responsibly with topsport.com.au because that looks money for jam for mine. Yeah, well, we were excited about it at seven. I still am at $5, but it's definitely been well found, hasn't it? And why, why not, really? I think all those look pretty good on paper. And uh, we've kind of said that in our previews here. We're going to continue in our following podcast. So, yeah, gamble responsibly if you gamble. Yeah, exactly right. Not for everyone. Uh, Tristan's messaged me um, during the week, and he says, uh, depending on whether that gets up or not, they might not be able to afford to sponsor us next year. So... Hedging our bets there for the punter and uh, our listeners here. Um, 
of course, if you if you aren't a customer and you'd like to become a customer and you want to be involved in great offers like that and you you know want to have a dabble on the footy each weekend, you can do so. Go to our Instagram bio. You'll find the link there, our referral code, and uh, click that sign up. Use the code SCOACH365 and the guys will look after you uh, a lot. I can say that. Okay, Tommy, listen to questions. Our favorite part. We'll leave the best to last. And I'm going to start with one here from our good mate Blake of Blake's Brushworks fame. And he says to us, who's your number one super coach gun from each of these teams and they can't share the same position? So we might just let that linger in the background. So think of one for each team, the best player, and they can't share positions. So you can't have Pappenhausen and Trevojevic, for example. Uh, we'll come back to that uh, at the end. We'll finish on that one. Pat Salby asks us, can you start with Munster and Grant in round one? Both of them won't be there for round one. And I know this is something that you've juggled, Tommy, yourself. Yeah, it's tough because I really, I definitely wanted Munster and Grant makes a great case as well. I don't think you can have both in round one. I just think you you don't want to be behind everyone else after one week. I just think it, you lose motivation and it's hard to make up ground in Supercoach. So I don't think you can have both in round one. What about you? No, I, I don't like Munster, to be honest, at that price. I know he's probably going to come out and have a great rounds two, three, four, but I think... I mentioned that draw for the Storm opening up after that first month, and if he loses a bit of cash against Souths and maybe even the Bulldogs and he you know, struggles to find his feet early, I don't know, at the price, I'm not diving into Munster. Grant, I'd maybe be a little bit more inclined because uh, he is clearly the best in that position, so I'd maybe be happy to, happy to run with a Randall or a, a cheapie there if it's not Randall in that first week. Or even start with someone like McInnes and, and trade up if... You want to shift your second row and then bump, um, bump McInnes down. Sorry. So yes to Grant, I can I can make a case for that, but not for Munster. Uh, next one here, Cody. So so, what Storm cheapies will get good minutes? Spoken about this a couple of times, but probably looks like Tepoi Mairoa. But even that's up in the air now with Tui and Nelson both confirmed. Well, not Tui, but he's back at training, and Nelson is obviously back at training as well. Yeah, less enthused once I heard about Nelson and Sofa Solomona actually playing. Um, there's not really such thing as a storm cheapie, is there? They all seem to be pretty well thought of on Supercoach. Um, mm. I'd probably look at other teams, really, for cheapies. Yeah, Jack Howarth. I don't know why why they've said... Well, I do know, because it's a storm podcast, but um, storm cheapies... Yeah, it's, it's hard. Jack Howarth. I think he'll make his debut, so just keep him there. 175k, I think he'll get a run around Origin time and Again, Bromwich is on the way out. Kenny, that is. So he may get you know, time on an edge and he's touted as the next big thing. So Jack Howarth, I think you could do worse than stashing him on your bench. Brody Copeland asks us here, how can you make a team with Munster and Grant? Well, sort of already answered that. I wouldn't go about doing it, but if you want to, you're obviously going to be short elsewhere because I don't think you can stack your whole spine with Storm players as good as they are because we're obviously leaning towards Pappenhausen at one and maybe Grant, but I wouldn't go all three anyway. No, it's an interesting one because that that uh, theory in general, do you want to have, you know, a lot of your team coming from the same NRL team? I don't know, because then you're kind of reliant on that NRL team doing well. When it's Melbourne Storm, they're probably going to do well, so it's probably not a bad theory. But I don't like having all the same players from the same teams. So I've got Paps at the moment. I'm going to work towards Munster, and I'm just going to go without Harry Grant for now. Yeah, and this is probably a completely different conversation if they're all there fit and not suspended for round one. Uh, but as it is, that's the way it is. All right, Tommy, let's finish this off with that question from Blake at the start. I've made some notes here while you were gibbering away, and um, I might start then and give you a little bit of extra time to think. So one from each team, if you had to pick one, Tom Travojevic is probably a no-brainer at the fullback role, even though I said Paps would be better, but I think I'd be silly if I didn't say Turbo. Johnston... Sean Johnson at 5'8", Jerome Hughes at halfback, and Reese Robson at hooker. I was really expecting you to say uh, Ryan Pappenhausen there <laughs> instead of Turbo. I was ready to come and smash you about it. But, um, Throw no, in Paps enough. at 1, Paps 1, SJ 6, DCE 7, Robbo 9. That'll do me. Yeah, cool. Um, I'll go Turbo from Manly at 1. Munster from the Storm at 5'8". Johnson, halfback from the Warriors. And, geez, the Cowboys. <laughs> um, not much doing. Mate, Robson's not a bad shout that you said there. Um, Cotter, if he gets to run, I 
mate, honestly, don't put Cowboys in your team. That would be my advice. Stay well away from North Queensland. All right, Tommy, good episode. That was another four teams in the books. Follow us at Supercoach365. We'll have another episode coming up very, very soon. Looking forward to that one, Tommy. Absolutely, mate. Keen for it. Only five days from the All-Stars a month from the NRL. Can't wait. Between now and then, as we say, follow us on socials, YouTube as well. Subscribe, like, thumbs up, turn on your notifications. We're not going anywhere. Plenty of podcasts coming your way this week, next week, right through the season. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.